You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. We're going to talk a little Packers, and specifically Packers salary cap. You know, uh, you're, you're probably thinking, oh, I, didn't, I didn't know you were going to talk about that this morning, Clayton. I didn't either until about 10 minutes ago. I woke up really late, rolled out of bed about, I don't know, probably 35, 40 minutes ago and was like, let's talk a little salary cap today. Um, I know people are already mentioning in the chat about the potential defensive coordinator hire there with Christian Parker. We covered it pretty heavy last night. Um, so uh, if you didn't tune into the show last night, gang, essentially where we're at is we've got rumors that Christian Parker, the defensive backs coach for the Denver Broncos, has been offered the D.C. job in Green Bay. Again, we don't know. I don't want to I don't want to come across rude here. OK, but. We don't know how accurate that report is. We're just we're just assuming that uh, Andrew Murdig, who does some work with Packaday, I believe, if I remember correctly, we're assuming that he, you know, his source is good. We know he didn't just make it up out of thin air. He's a, uh, you know, he's one of those guys. If you follow him on Twitter, he's not a he's not a knucklehead. He seems like an honest stand up person. So he wouldn't do this just to create, you know, some kind of controversy or anything. Um, but at the same time, it hasn't been made official. We haven't heard anything from the Packers. And more specifically, we haven't heard anything from the Packers beat riders. And I know some people don't like the beat riders. That's okay. We can we can agree to disagree on that. I think we've got a pretty good crew. Um, and uh, the fact that they're so hush, rather than just shooting it down, if, if they hadn't heard anything, I'm going to put it this way, and I'm not speaking for anyone, but from my perspective and the way that they're approaching this, if they hadn't heard anything, I think one of them would have come out and said, I'm not hearing this, but it could be true, and just leave it at that. But nobody's saying anything, which kind of makes you think maybe it was offered and they were told, hey, stay hush until everything's finalized. And like me and Tim talked about last night, um, you know, it could be a situation where they told Christian Parker, hey, look, we want to offer you the job, but we're going to wait another week and so we can interview some of these other guys, right? You're our top candidate now. That could be the case too, so – uh Anyway, that's where we're at on that. I seen someone asking about it in the chat, so I just wanted to mention it really, really quick. Um, but uh, yeah, Tim, how you doing this morning, Bub? Great, man, doing great. Um, yeah, don't want to speculate on the the DC hire at all. Um, we can do our best uh, to try and read between the lines, but um, you know, I like like we said yesterday, man. I mean, I don't think we know anything more than he was in Green Bay for an interview at this point. So right. read into that what you want. Um, and yeah, keep clicking that refresh button and waiting to see something. Um, yeah, beat reporters are dead silent. Jen's absolutely right. And, you know, I was even putting myself through a personal hell last night and decided to go to Broncos Twitter. Oh, were you really? <laughs> yeah, just, just kind of see what their fans are thinking. And it's kind of more of the same. So, yeah, they, um, seem to, they seem to really like the guy, though, don't they, Tim? Oh, absolutely. And there's a lot to like about him. 
you know, and, um, you know, him being a first year coordinator, um, I don't think is going to be a big deal with a guy like him and his resume and his track record. Um, and you know, that's what you want. You want a guy that can connect with the players. And, uh, you, you know, the only concern is this would be his first crack at putting a scheme together, a full on defensive scheme, calling the plays, you know, being a DC. So, um, we'll see for all we know, he's not the guy. So I don't want to get too committed, um, until we know something for sure. Um, you know, it's like we're, all of a sudden we're not looking at anyone else. And it's like, I don't I don't like that because I'm pretty sure Matt LaFleur and the Packers are looking at several several candidates for uh, the the absolute hiring decision of his career. So uh, yeah. we'll see how this plays out. Definitely. Doug in the chat says some Bronco fans were suggesting they want to fire Vance Joseph and hire him. That wouldn't surprise me one bit, Doug. Um, coming from the fan base. Right. And, and I like how you said that some fans were suggesting, um, you know, we we know how fans can be. We're fans, and that's that's the thing that you know. Packers total access is going to shift to Packer fan total access is going to be the name because that's what we wanted this pod to be. We didn't want it to be hey here are some experts coming in talking about the Packers. It's going to be a group of Packer fans talking about the Packers and figuring this whole thing, this whole game of football out together. Um, so I completely relate to you know fans were saying right that's us that's it. what were we doing last night we were same exact thing. We were saying <laughs> Christian Parker, it sounds like he's probably going to be the choice. Uh doesn't mean that it's, you know, completely accurate or uh, a done deal. So, yeah, with that being said, that's kind of where we sit there on that front, though. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jen Wright, some fans are still screaming for Bill Belichick for defense coordinator, which will never happen. Yeah, uh, you know, you guys know I would, I would love that more than anyone. I think that would be the golden hire for me is – Bill Belichick spends his last two or three years in the league uh, revamping the Packers' defense. And he brings his son, Stephen Belichick, with him to call the plays, who called the plays in New England. There's no one who would love that scenario more than me. I just don't see it being a possibility. I don't. And see you know it. what I don't like about that scenario? I, as that? much as I'm with you on everything you just said, it, it guarantees in two years we're looking for another freaking DC again. And I am not willing to go through this carnival ride again. I want this hire. I want this hire to be the dude. Can we? You think we could get maybe four to six seasons out of a DC right. at some point? Um, so yeah, that's that's the only problem with the the Bill Belichick fantasy is that you're guaranteeing it's a year or two, and uh, and that'll be it. So and like you said, Clay and Jen saying it ain't it ain't gonna happen. So right. <laughs> Yeah, and you know the the thing with with the whole Belichick thing, and that's why I mentioned Stephen Belichick is to me the perfect scenario would be Belichick would be DC, right? Stephen Belichick would call the plays, just like that's been their kind of thing in Green or in New England. Which, for those of you who don't know, Gerard Mayo he wasn't technically the defensive coordinator, but he was kind of the hand picked, hand appointed uh, next head coach by Robert Kraft. So they had put a clause in both he and Bill Belichick's contract to where as soon as Bill stepped down, automatically Gerard Mayo will become the head coach. And that would be more enticing for Gerard Mayo to turn down other defensive coordinator jobs, even though he wasn't technically the defensive coordinator. So it was a way that Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft were playing chess while everyone else was playing checkers. You don't have a defensive coordinator named. If someone swoops in and tries to steal one of your guys, you just promote them to D.C., but it's already in the contract for Gerard Mayo to be the next head coach. So you kind of – covering two bases at the same time there in that regard. So um, that's how they were approaching it. Now, 
back up to what you just said, Tim. The only the only reason that I think it could work if that were to happen is <clears throat> Belichick retiring in two years. Stephen Belichick gets promoted to D.C. and you're still you've got the same exact defense that you put in place intact. But the problem, Tim, is people are going to come clawing at Stephen Belichick too, right? So right. if you go ahead and hire the young guy that interviews well, that you know, hey, this is my dude then it's a totally different scenario where he's already in place. They can't poach him unless they want him as a head coach. And I'm not ruling that out either. That's kind of what happened with Mike Tomlin, right? He rose through the ranks really, really quick at a very early age. So, um, again, though, I'm not going to sit here either and pretend like I think Christian Parker is the best hire. Um, I'm not knocking anyone who's big on him. And as soon as he, as soon as that hire is announced as official and that he is the guy, you will see me get behind him 110%. And Absolutely. you're going to see me try to find all the positives rather than the negatives. And let's give this guy a legitimate shot to revamp this defense. Um, so that's kind of how I see that. But we got Jacob joining us now. Jacob, we were just kind of wrapping up a little a little DC talk there with uh with Christian Parker and and the rumors and we're gonna dive into some salary cap numbers next. But how you doing this morning, Bob? I'm good, man. Tired. Uh, <clears throat> did you explain who Christian Parker uh, that I missed out? What's that? Did you explain who Christian Parker is and all that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. We've we've been explaining it for the last I don't know sixteen hours. So <laughs> we've we've dove into it. We've got everything. We know his shoe size. We know what type of underwear he wears. We got everything covered, man. I'm just telling you, we went yeah, all across. Yeah, we go. <laughs> all across the board. <laughs> um, and we looked at the numbers too. That was the uh, that was the part that again we got we got to talk about the negative aspect too. The numbers were not good in Denver. You know, they weren't good at all, especially and specifically. Uh, around the coverage, you know, whether you look at PFF or or you look at just the overall team statistics. But, you know, a guy interviews well, like we pointed out, you know, Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur had quite the resume before Tennessee, but Tennessee, his numbers were really bad offensively, right? He comes in and it didn't even matter. So the interviewing process does, it does matter. What do you think though uh, about it, Jacob? Are you, are you good on Christian Parker? Have you dug too much into it? Honestly, I haven't had much time to do anything uh, other than working. But um, from the kind of early glance I took at him, I would feel much more comfortable, I think, with a, I don't want to say better candidate, but maybe a more more established candidate, maybe. Mm-hmm. Is there any updates on some of the guys that we mentioned, like their Hewitts and that kind of stuff, or no? Now they're, you know, obviously they're still in contention here in the playoffs. They'll play today. So as long as their team's playing in the playoffs, you know, your Chris Hewitts and stuff, it's going to be, I think it'd be less likely for them to interview. You know, one of the things we pointed out, this rumor is swirling that he's been offered the job, but he hasn't accepted it yet. We don't know if that's 100% accurate. Um, we're just going off of what we heard. And I, I'm going to continue saying that. If people don't like to hear me say that, I apologize. But I'm not going to be the guy that's like, oh, come on, guys. We, this is pretty much a done deal. I'm damn sure not going to act like I've got some kind of inside information. That drives me insane when people do that. But um, if, like Tim pointed out last night, it could be a scenario, too, where they offered him the job and the rumor that we're hearing that he is he still hasn't accepted yet, right, could also be that Green Bay told him, hey, look, you're our front runner. We want to hire you, but we're also going to interview these guys as soon as their season's over, right? Could be one of those deals that you're going through doing all this interviewing, ranking the guys, and he mm-hmm. just happens to be number one. And that could have been taken out of context that, hey, look, you're our guy, and that might be what's holding it up too. So, um, yeah. I like what Mike Hebring says here too. Um, he says, no hurry on this, get it right. Mm-hmm. I agree, man. I agree. And, and that's the thing too, though. If you did interview him and he knocked your freaking socks off in the interview, 
there's no there's no shame in going this is our guy too right if you feel convicted on hiring him right. um, i trust their judgment on that you know over mine there's also and, the the fact that there could be a second interview sometimes you know sometimes that you you got to pull the candidates and you like more than one i mean clayton you're a business owner you've been that way hey let's 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 look at this guy again let's let's bring him in for a second interview right. and let's let's see what uh you know who's going to win the uh the competition there for the job. And, you know, I, I forgot who mentioned that in the chat a couple of days ago. It might've been Mike Hebring um, that, that said, Hey, if they're, uh, they're, if they're interviewing you, the intent is to give you the job. They're, they're probably interested in hiring you or they wouldn't have brought you in for an interview right. in this scenario. Yeah. You know, Matt LaFleur and the boys are probably looking at multiple candidates here. So I'm not, I'm with Mike, no hurry on this. And I'm, I'm damn sure not going to zero in on anybody just due to, you know, Twitter rumor mill speculation. Um, so, you know, we'll yeah. see what happens. Definitely. Doug in the chat said, I don't know, guys. The current playoff teams have DCs that are going to be head coaches and they're going to enter the market for DCs too. I, I think what he's saying is these guys that we're talking about are going to enter the market as DCs as soon as it's over. It's going to be it's going to be a rat race, no doubt about it. Especially let's say Baltimore wins the whole thing and they just put on a dominating defensive performance in these next two games, right? Let's just – play devil's advocate for a second. If that happens, then you're going to see McDonald, their D.C., probably get a head coaching job, and you'll see people like Chris Pugh or Chris Hewitt and some of these other guys within that organization. You may get two or three of those guys that are assistants poached as D.C.s, right? How many, uh, how many head coaching vacancies are left right now? That's a great question. I, mean, I, don't know. I, I thought half of them were filled. I think we quick. had seven, yeah. We had seven total, I believe, and I want to say at least three have been filled. If you guys want to look that up or someone in the chat wants to look that up, uh, we'd appreciate that. I've got some other stuff pulled up for salary cap purposes, but I'd like to know the answer to that too. Yeah, um, that's crazy because, like, you know, what's the next stop for a DC? You know, you're trying to be a head coach. And so we could be in a situation where you lose a candidate simply because a team's going to make them their, their head coach rather than the DC. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Mike Hebring says uh, this move probably defines Matt's tenure as a, as a coach. I like that you said probably, Mike, because I could see it being the case. But also, you know, think about this, too. Mike McCarthy, right? He's no longer here. He won a Super Bowl. He hired <laughs> Dom Capers, and Dom Capers took that defense, turned into arguably the best defense in the in the league. I think they led the league in takeaways that year that they won the Super Bowl. It was two years later. It was like that never happened. <laughs> right? So you got to kind of keep that in mind, too. I think I watched a video earlier. I was going to share it, then I thought ah, it, ain't, it ain't worth getting hit with the copyright. But um, it was basically John Gruden on Monday Night Football breaking down what was wrong with the Packers' defense. And this was back when Dom Capers was still the, the defense coordinator. Guys, you could cut out the front part and listen to it, and he is describing our defense last year. It's wild. I was just like, every single issue, miscommunication on the backside, right? Edges not getting pressure on the quarterback when they need to. Everything was just like, and I look over and go, there's Nick Perry <laughs> on the outside, right? Remember Mr. First Round Pick, measurables through the roof, RAS score out, out of the building. Absolute bust, <laughs> you know? So, if the more things change, the more they stay the same, you know? Um, it, you, could, you could literally look at Nick Perry in that video and look at Lucas Van Ness. Now, you guys know we're big on Van Ness. I think he's going to be a solid player. But you look at how they describe Nick Perry in that video, and it's like, eh, that kind of felt like Van Ness this year, although Van Ness is a rookie this year. 
Um, but it's interesting Hope to kind of see how I think it has a lot to do with how they draft. What was that? Hopefully the move that defines Matt LaFleur's tenure as coach is bringing Lombardi home. That's I, I'm hoping that's the move that defines his tenure and yeah. not a DC hire yet again. Yeah, definitely. There's uh, two vacancies left right now in the NFL, Seattle and Washington, which both honestly, if I had to be thrown at a team, if I'm a, a coach, those are probably the two rosters I'd maybe want to be thrown to Seattle and Washington, in my opinion. Definitely Seattle. Got it. So you got two vacancies, and you, you think about the teams that are still available, right? You've got uh you've got or still, you know, competing. You got Baltimore, right? Let's just talk about DCs for a minute. Baltimore, you got McDonald, right? Um, who's the DC in San Francisco? Does anyone know who the DC in San Francisco is? Because it's escaping me right now. I can't remember his name. I'll get it. Yeah. And then we also got um Look that up, Jamie. Um, <laughs> and then let's see, you got Baltimore, you got San Francisco, you got Detroit, which we know Detroit is. Is it Aaron Glenn or someone like that? What's the name? Glenn? Um, he's been, you know, kind of highly touted as well. I don't know if he'll get a head coaching job, though. And Steve then who is – What's that? Steve uh, Wilkes. Gotcha. Steve Wilkes. That's right. Chris Forster. Isn't it Chris Forster? Um, yeah. Is it? Hold on. Who's, who's Steve Wilkes with? Because Steve Wilkes is definitely a D.C. Hold on. Let's see. Left Carolina to be D.C. Yeah, Steve Wilkes in San Francisco is what the chat's saying too. Yeah, Steve Wilkes. Okay. Yep, so, you you're got, right, yep. so you got McDonald in Baltimore, Steve Wilkes in San Francisco. All right. And Detroit, I think it's Glenn. And then who is the DC? Who's the other team we keep forgetting about here? And he has, oh, the Kansas City Chiefs. You got Steve Spagnola, right? In Kansas City. Of those four, are they going to get a head coaching job? That's the question, right? That's what's really going to determine how hot that market is for those assistants on those teams because those teams are immediately going to want to promote one of their assistants to D.C., seeing how well they played. So if you go down the line there, will Steve Wilkes get a head coaching job? I doubt it. I highly doubt it. What about McDonald? He's been interviewed, right? Steve Wilkes may have been interviewed too, but uh, I know he was at least requested. Uh, McDonald was. What about Spagnola? Yeah. Do you think think Spags would be a a head coaching candidate? Spags is kind of – he kind of feels like that guy that – He's not going to be a good head coach. He's been a head coach before, right? Am I thinking right? Didn't he coach somewhere, if I remember correctly? Yeah. Anyway, um, I I don't feel as good about that one. And then Glenn, you know, he's kind of one of the up-and-comers. I guess you could kind of see it. But no one looks at Detroit and go, wow, that's a a really good defense, right? They they more look at Detroit like high-powered offense and they're real scrappy, right? Just a tough, tough tough-nosed team, gritty team. So my guess is there's a chance that two of those D.C.s get head coaching jobs. But – uh, probably probably meet in the middle at half and say one. So, yeah. Spagnola was uh, the Rams coach for three seasons. So, yeah. Gotcha. Peter Stone says, I think Seattle's waiting on Ben Johnson. Obviously, Ben Johnson's the OC in Detroit. Um, you guys know I'm big on offensive coaches as head coach. That's just me personally. I don't, I don't think it hardly ever works out that a defensive coach as head coach. I just don't see it that way. You know, people immediately point to Bill Belichick, but they just – they like to go la 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 when you point out that he's involved in every facet of the game. He's the CEO of that organization. You could pull up video after video of him game planning offenses, right? And putting offensive schemes together for the upcoming week. That he's he's a different kind of animal, right? He's involved in everything. So it's rare that you get a defensive coach that's really good at head coach, in my opinion. Would you consider Dan Campbell a defensive coach? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And th- some people think that Seattle. Um, here, look at this. So I love this in the chat. Peter Stone said, I think Seattle's waiting on Ben Johnson. Doug said, Seattle is waiting on Mike McDonald. 
right? And then uh, someone else uh, got uh, someone else had pointed out too that they think that Seattle is waiting uh, to possibly uh, take Dan Campbell. Although you think you think that would have happened by now, Dan Campbell was the DC in Seattle, obviously when they. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Went on their Legion of Boom run there, so I know that organization likes him a lot. And also, if Pete Carroll doesn't get a head coaching job somewhere, which I think we're pretty pretty sold on the fact it's not going to happen, and he does stay in the front office and work with the team like like some people are projecting, he would work hand in hand with Dan Campbell, who was his defensive coordinator when he was there. That would make sense too. So there's just a number of different angles. It's, there's only two head coaching jobs left, and there's about 35 different scenarios that could play out, right? Which is really cool. That's why I love this time of year. So. Um, Let's see here. Uh, anyone else notice Dan Quinn, uh, defense coordinator of Dallas, didn't get a JC job, maybe he meant head coach job. Uh, Packers ruined him. It's all it takes is one or two performances like that, especially in the playoffs where people go, whoa, okay, maybe maybe he wasn't as hot as we thought, right? So definitely. All right, let's talk about the salary cap. You guys good with that? Crunch some numbers. T- uh, Jacob, before we get into it, do you have anything you want to talk about? Do you have anything on your mind that you go, man, I'd really like to hit on this this morning? If not, it's totally cool. We're prepared to talk salary cap, but just wanted to kind of see if you had anything on your mind here lately. I mean, honestly, no, I'm cool with salary cap right now. I always – um, I got so excited doing those mock drafts. I really wouldn't mind doing like six or seven more of those. So <laughs> We'll have time. We'll, we will do it for sure. <laughs> They're a lot of fun, man. I'm going to pull this up. I'm just going to go full screen here, guys. That way uh, – you, you guys can see it a little bit better. We'll get some free advertising over here for the Shell Shack. Shell okay, Shack. You guys, you guys are welcome. I'm sure it's great. 
you guys deliver to Tennessee, let me know. Um, <coughs> all right. So here's here's the goal with this little exercise with the salary cap. Every year we do this, Jacob, you remember we did it last year and we absolutely crushed it. The goal is to try to predict which which contracts do we think might potentially be restructured, right? That's the ultimate goal. And to help people understand how these restructures take place. Many people look at the salary cap like, man, this is too difficult for me to understand. I did an exercise a couple years ago where I'm like, I want to understand what these teams are seeing in the salary cap and how they're they're doing these voidable years and cash over cap until they close that loophole. It's going to be a big part of the NFL. And it really helps you understand how they move money around. And as I charted that, the top five moves for two off seasons, what I came away with is base salary and roster bonus are the two numbers that they can use to manipulate the cap. Okay. And let me explain what I mean by that. You can take the base salary and the roster bonus, and you can convert that to signing bonus. And that that gives the player an incentive that whatever money you convert to a signing bonus, they write them a check right then and there. And the fact that it is now a guaranteed signing bonus, you can spread that out over the duration of the contract. That's how you, you're allowed to kick the can down the road a bit. You're allowed to uh, maneuver the cap and free up money on the go. Now, there's a couple of different elements to our specific situation in Green Bay. First of all, let me just look up here in the upper right. Can you guys see my cursor? Yeah. So I just want you guys to see where I'm looking at right now. So the way the cap sits right now, we're sitting according to Spotrack. There's going to be somebody in the chat that goes over the cap has them at 5.1. <laughs> That's OK. I give them about a five million dollar buffer. All right. there You can free up five million dollars in cap in the blink of it. And high. OK, about five million dollars to little peasants like us, you and I. <laughs> it's a lot of money to these teams and being able to maneuver that money around. It's no big deal at all. But. Um, when it comes to Spotrack, they have them sitting at 4.8 million. Keep in mind, that's only the top 51 on the roster. Okay. The, you, you only have the top 51 highest cap hits count towards the salary cap every year. Okay. Uh, why they do that, I have no idea. Not a big deal to me. But the other thing, too, is this does not include your draft class. So I'm going to scroll all the way down here to the bottom real quick. We'll come right back. And you'll see they're showing 2.486 million for the 25th overall pick in the draft, all right? It's important to just kind of make a mental note of that. It's not – it is not applied. You'll see right here, that not included in the cap figure yet. They're going to wait until all these numbers fall into place. And you guys know there's going to be trades. We're going to trade up. We're going to trade down, and those numbers are going to change. So this overall cap number right here does not include the does not include the uh, the draft class. All right, it's important to make a note of that. So if you were to go off of past, you know, whatever cap numbers, it could be anywhere from eight million to fourteen million, depending on how many picks you got. Right there, there that number could climb up there pretty high. But with what we're working with right now, your cap space is sitting at four point eight million. Right, you had twenty twenty three rollover cap of eight point seven million. We talked about this over and over and over the last few years, Jacob, and, and I know it irks the people that want to try to make a living and sound like experts on Twitter about the salary cap. They want to create these doom and gloom scenarios where if we do this, that's going to ruin the cap situation. It happens every single freaking year. It drives me insane. And then as soon as the season starts it, or as soon as they get under the cap, they disappear as if they never said it. And then right around the time that training camp starts, they start their gloom and doom again. Oh, my God, the cap situation is going to be so great next year. It's going to be so horrible. We're not going to be able to handle it, right? Remember last year taking on the $41 million dead cap hit of Aaron Rodgers? Like, we played, we played an entire season with $41 million in dead cap from one player. 
And then lo and behold, we were still rolled 8.7 million into the cap. What that means is we were 8.7 under the cap and they roll that into the next year. So just, I'm going to say this, this time, every single year, please, please, please. When these guys start this doom and gloom crap, let it go in one ear and out the other, because that's all they're trying to do is they're trying to say, guys, this situation's bad. You need me to explain it to you. You know, that's exactly how that works. You remember the the Aaron Jones is never coming back. We're never going to be able to sign Aaron Jones. David Bakhtiari is never coming back. We're never going to be able to sign David Bakhtiari. Aaron Aaron Jones is never going to sign. Never going to never going to get him back. And it's just right. right. Well, when you when you pay seventeen milli for your entire wide receiver room, you're doing pretty (laughs) damn good. I'll tell you, it's it's absolutely wild, absolutely wild how that that I don't know what the exact number is with the receiver room. I could probably pull it up positionally here. But it is just—I think we're like the third cheapest in the league, I believe, as it sits for 2024. Just wild how they performed this year. So anyway, we got 4.8 million in cap. Now let's let's talk about what we specifically said just now, right? With these cap numbers, when we said the two numbers you want to look at for converting, uh, you know, base salary and roster bonus, and uh, converting it to signing bonus and freeing up cap room. David Bakhtiari is the big question this year. I've got this sorted by cap hit, okay? David Bakhtiari's cap hit is $39.9 million. I think it is going to be a, a very, 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 let me pause, very unlikely he plays for $39.9 million against the cap, okay? You could make it work and maneuver money somewhere else. I just don't see that happening, though. No. All right, so to explain how this is going to go with David Bakhtiari, $10.7 million in base salary, $9.5 million in roster bonus. That gives you a total. If you were to convert every bit of that money, okay, to signing bonus, then you could spread that out over the duration of the cap, okay? And you could even tack on voidable years, make up these mock years to do that. I'm not suggesting you should do that. Everybody calm down. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that is an option. Now, when you look at that total number, you've got to have a minimum, a veteran minimum amount for base salary, right? So that's something that that comes into play that you've got to have that amount too. That roster bonus is due at a certain time, right? Generally paid at the start of the league year upon making the week one roster or as per game bonuses. So essentially, if they make the roster week one, that roster bonus is guaranteed now. That makes sense? So when you look at that, if you were to convert that money, which you can't convert the entire amount, but this is how I did it last year, Jacob. We did this and we absolutely crushed it, knocked it out of the park. $20.2 million is the total you come up with. I use half of that number and say you could convert up to reasonably convert up to half of that, which would be 10.1 million that you could free up. Now, if you cut David Bakhtiari outright, right, you what your dead cap is going to be $19 million. Okay. 19 million with a cap hit of 39.9. Basically, if you cut David Bakhtiari outright, you would free up $20.3 million. Okay. Trades get a little bit tricky because there can be stuff negotiated within the trade. We're not even going to walk down a rabbit hole of all those different options, okay? You've also got June 1 as a date that that if the cut happens before or after that, let's not even worry about that right now. Let's just look at the general terms of the uh, of the contracts and the situation. So if you cut David Bakhtiari outright, you free up 20.3. This is what I was saying about going to Bach and saying, hey, look, would you take a pay cut? And here's what I mean by pay cut. I think the the left tackle, if I remember correctly, the highest paid left tackle for 2024 as it sits on the books right now is something like $33 million cap hit. 32, 33 was like the, the number. And that'll probably get dropped down significantly. So you could go to Bach and say, hey, look, we, we can still make you the highest paid left tackle in the game. 
let's take a bit of a if you're if you're willing to take a bit of a pay cut. People are going, why would he do that? Me and Tim were talking about this offline. If Bach is sitting there looking at it and going, okay, how much money can I make this year in the league? If they cut me outright, okay, how much money can I make at another team? How much do you think another team is willing to pay a left tackle who hasn't played significant snaps in the last what two, almost three years, if I remember correctly? How many how many teams are going to go? Yeah, we'll give you more than twenty million dollars. Besides the 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 New York Jets, <laughs> right? And, here's the, and and let's assume, right, Jacob. First of all, do you have an answer to that? Do you think there's a, a big list of teams going? Yeah, we'll do that. No, no, I don't. Because one, I I personally I hate saying this out loud, but in my opinion, I think that that twenty million dollar cap hit, if we cut him, makes more sense than anything. Yeah, and and here's the thing though: what if you go to Bach and you say, hey? We still want to let's let's say let's put the number at 30 million, whatever you want to put it at. Right. If you're willing to take a pay cut, how about we convert that roster bonus and base salary, whatever's left? Of, let's say if we took if he took a, a nine million dollar pay cut this year. OK, so let's just basically say the entire uh, the entire roster bonus. OK, if you're willing to take that cut, what we'll do is take, you know, let's say five million of that money of that base salary and convert it to signing bonus and write you a $5 million check right now. You put it in your bank, put it in your pocket. Now from box standpoint, he sits back and goes, do I want to go somewhere else and make that full amount? Let's say the jets are willing to give him $20 million. Okay. If that is the case and they're willing to give him about $20 million rather than him being cut from green Bay. Now he's got to weigh the fact of, Hmm, is it worth it for me to get that 8 million, whatever the difference is between me playing in Green Bay or going to New York. Now I've got to pack my family up, move them across the country, move them to New York where taxes are just through the freaking roof and play for the Jets team, which, yeah, my best friend is there, but do I want to live in New York, you know, Jersey specifically? And is is that team going to actually compete next year? Because they look like hot doo-doo this year. Yep. So we're not we're not talking about the third scenario too, which is a retirement announcement. That's right. a that's a realistic possibility as well mm-hmm. what, what would that mean for us if he just up and said hey i'm done i'm done playing right yeah i mean it we would have to look at what those scenarios would be and there's some some simulators out there that would kind of look at that because you the, the money that's being guaranteed is already there there's nothing you can do about that right but if he decides to retire i imagine you would free up at least the 20 million uh nonetheless you probably get some of that proration back uh, the fact that he's not going to be playing that final year of his contract. That's where you can get in the weeds. We could turn this through a three-hour podcast and we would all be right. of our mind. So I guess I'd just like to think that if the Packers were going to make – if they were going to cut Bach outright, mm-hmm. that there would they would do him the, the courtesy of giving him the option to just hang it up on his own. And say, Absolutely. hey, we're probably going probably gonna to have to let you go, but we want to see where your head's at. I mean, you know, if you're going to continue to play football, then, yeah, we're going to – we're going to ask you to do it somewhere else. We're going to release you, but we're going to give you the courtesy that if retirement was something on your mind, go ahead and just retire. You know? Right. That's the other thing too. Like if you go to him and say, Hey, you think about retiring? He may take that as well. The hell with you guys. I ain't going to do you anything. That's true. That's you, true. You give him his space and let him, you know what I mean? And say, all right, what do you want to do? <clears throat> what they need to do is go to him and go, Dave, if you do want to play, here's the option we see for you. We can't have you play under that cap hit. Here's the offer we have for you. Let's let's restructure your deal. Let's re, redo it. You take this much of a pay cut, but we will convert X amount of dollars to signing bonus, put a check in your pocket, and you get to finish your career in Green Bay. 
that's your that's your option. Go talk to your agency if you want to do that. That would be the most professional way to do it, right? Absolutely. I just don't see a scenario where they go, Bach, you're welcome back. Come on back, buddy. 39.9, we're good with it. You're worth it. I just don't see that happening. I, I think from Bach's perspective, I think number the first thing on his mind is not money. I really believe that. Um, I, yeah, I, completely I, I believe that it's his body holding up. It's the knee. It's everything he's done to get back. And then the, obviously his family and his personal life and decisions that he's got to make going forward. Um, you yeah. know, yeah, he's a little young to be considering retirement, but he's also not getting any younger either. And uh, he's been banged up these last few seasons. So, And we always talk about availability. You know, how many games are you available for? I think right. those are the decisions that's going to, you know, weigh on his mind, you know, if, if, if he in fact wants to continue to play football, you know. Right. And, you know, the Packers, they're really in a position to be aggressive here. Yeah. You know, they can go to him and and massage that ego and be like, Bach, we appreciate everything that you've done for this organization. Uh, we think it's probably best that we move on because of that 39.9 cap. And this is how I would handle a negotiation. If I felt like we're going to move on from Bach, I'd go to him and be like, you know, we can't thank you enough for your service. You've just been a phenomenal. I think you're a Hall of Fame left tackle. We want you back in Green Bay, but we respect you too much to ask you to take a pay cut like we think we we would have to get to justify having you here. Right. right. And then and, he can go, oh no, no, no. I'll I'll take a pay cut. I want to retire a Packer. I get you. Give it give whole, him the option. The whole sandwich effect, man. I'm telling you, negotiation, it's absolutely huge. Positive, the message in between, and then end it with a positive. You know what I'm saying? You go in and go, you you've done every you've battled your rear end off to try to get back from this injury. We can't thank you enough. You know, we, this is, this is something we want you here. We just, you know, the bad news is we can't make it work on this cap hit. And I understand you not wanting to take a pay cut. You shouldn't take a pay cut, David. You're worth every freaking dime. Look at what you've done for this organization, you know, but that's kind of where we sit. You know what I mean? The positive, there's the message. We can't do this guy. (laughs) Sorry. And then the, you know, thank you for everything you've done. Now, if you want to play here on a significantly less, uh, cap hit, then, hey, yeah, we'd love to have you back. He may go back to Frankie, his wife, and, hey, look, yeah, I don't want to pack the family up. You know, I think they respect me. They appreciate me. They paid me a lot of money to sit on the bench the last couple of years, right? So um, it is what it is. So that's that's kind of how I see that. But the whole purpose is, at worst-case scenario, if the Packers felt like we have to have him, you could free up $10.1 million in just restructures and being able to spread that out over the duration of the contract, tack on avoidable year or two if you want to have him. I'm not saying we should do that. I think it's – to me, it's one of two options. Either he takes a significant pay cut to come back or we just cut him outright. Um, now, if you want to work out a trade with New York, that's cool. You don't have a whole lot of leverage trying to trade him anywhere in the league, to be honest with you, because there's not many people lined up going, here's a guy who hasn't played significant snaps in two years because of knees, and he's, oh, by the way, he's 32 years old. You know, So that's kind of how I see that. So, again, you could cut him and free up 20, or you can uh, re you could restructure and free up roughly $10.1 million. What we found last year was we didn't go over that halfway mark in any of the restructures, and we absolutely crushed it. The top five guys on our list – that we did this exercise last year, all five of them had their deals restructured. And we were within two to three million of the restructure too. So uh, up next is Kenny Clark. His cap hit is 27.4 million. His dead cap is 24.2 million. So to put that in perspective, if you just cut Kenny Clark outright, you would free up 3.2 million. To me, it's not worth the savings to get rid of Kenny Clark. He was your best defensive lineman. I'm not suggesting he's a top 10 defensive lineman, especially against the run but he was definitely your best defensive lineman. If you think that window is open to compete, and I think we would all agree it is, seeing that we were 
just a you know two interceptions away there in the second half of the uh, the game against um, uh, gosh it's already a, a, a San Francisco. You know, if you don't throw those two interceptions in the second half, and a young quarterback's going to do that, I got you. We're probably looking at you know a significant chance of beating uh, you know the the lines of the NFC Championship going to the Super Bowl. I think you keep Kenny on this roster, so you're not worried about freeing up the three point two. So if you take his base salary of fifteen point five and his roster bonus of seven fifty, and you you know tally those numbers up, what you're coming up with is a total number of sixteen point two million that you could convert to signing bonus. Of course, you got to keep in mind that you got the minimum you have to leave on the base salary to make it work. Then if you take half of that number, you could free up realistically $8.1 million. I think Kenny Clark is primed for a restructure here. Not, not a uh, pay cut. There's, that's two different things. But converting some of that base salary to signing bonus. And people are going, why would a player do that, Clayton? Because they're not losing any money. They're getting money guaranteed. If we yep. would Kenny and said, hey, look, that, that number is 8.1. That's half of the number, right? If we went to Kenny and said, hey, how would you like to make the same exact amount of money you were going to make anyway, but we're going to write you an $8.1 million check right now and put it in your pocket? Why would he say no to that? <laughs> That's why right. it, it's not a pay cut when you hear restructure. They're just converting base salary and or roster bonus to signing bonus, giving them money up front. <laughs> and now you can take that $8 million and spread it out over the duration of his contract. Which we've done so many times before with so many players. Yeah, absolutely. So now here's another option. You can just restructure a couple of these contracts to get you under the cap. Just go with your draft class, not sign any free agents, run it back again with the roster and put yourself in an even better situation next year, salary cap wise. But I think we would all agree that's not maximizing the window you've got that's open right now, especially seeing that Jordan Love has got a very low cap hit as it sits right now. You can see 12.7 million against the cap next year. And then when you do the new contract, 2025, you can structure it in a way that 2025 is not going to be a huge contract uh, cap hit year either, especially if you do a five-year extension. You can spread that out and backload it on the backside. And then when you get to the backside, guess what you can do? Tack on voidable years, convert base salary and roster bonus to signing bonus, and free up even more cap. That's what we mean by don't believe the doom and gloomers this time of year. They're coming, I'm telling you. They're coming like zombies. And they're going to be out there trying to sound like the smartest person in the room and convince everyone their organization is screwed. Go look at the Saints salary cap situation, guys. It's they're like 80 million. It was somewhere between 60 and 80 million over the cap. It's been like that the last three years this time of year. And somehow, some way they get right back under the cap. Now, people will immediately argue, yeah, but their team's horrible. That's why it's horrible. That's not why it's horrible. That it's horrible because they spent that money on bad players. <laughs> the overall goal is to put the best 22 guys on the field. Right. Like the best 11 on defense, the best 11 on offense, your best 11 on special teams. If you whiff on those players, Derek Carr. Right. They, they have no room. They're screwed. They can't do anything this time last year. Then they go out and get Derek Carr, you know, a top three available quarterback in the league. How did they pull that off? How did they do that? They kicked the can on down the road. They'll continue to do it. And they're not bad because they manage the salary cap bad. They're bad because they spend on players that aren't good. It's the old Bill Walsh saying, the old Bill Belichick uh, school of thought. You hear Michael Lombardi talk about it all the time. You're willing to overpay for great. You're not willing to overpay for good. They're overpaying for good in New Orleans, and that's why they can never get over the hump. So next player on the list is Jair Alexander. Cap hit is $23.9 million. For those of you saying, hey, trade him, trade him, trade him, this is why – 
It's you can trade them. You can. There's no two ways about it. But this is why it doesn't make sense. And now you've got a fresh DC in, right? That might be able to rejuvenate Jair. That could definitely be the case. 23.9 is his cap hit. His dead cap is 24.7. So if you cut him outright, you're losing three and a half million against the cap next year. This year coming up, rather. So it would cost you three and a half million dollars to trade him. That's why it's like that's highly unlikely. Now, if someone came to you, let's say the Packers wanted to trade him. I don't think they do. I think everything that Matt LaFleur said since the since the uh the uh, suspension. He's done nothing but praise Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander seems like the old Jai, which is absolutely awesome. But if you were to do that, it's going to cost you $3.5 million against the cap if you were just to get rid of him. Now, trading, you can negotiate, uh, redo the deal, and make it a little more appeasable to the team that would be accepting him, you know, so on and so forth. If you got a ton of draft capital, you know, if someone said, hey, we'll give you two firsts and a third, I could see that being worth it, right? But I don't see a team doing that, especially – seeing that he got suspended by the club he's on this year. <laughs> but if you look at his base salary, $6.6 million. His roster bonus is $8.2 million. You tally those up, that comes to $14.9 million. You divide that by two, you got $7.4 million that you could free up in cap. I think he's primed for a, a restructure as well. You could take some of that roster bonus, some of that base salary, more the roster bonus than anything, convert it to signing bonus, write him a check, and you can free up as much as $7.4 million. Jacob, when you look at this cap hit here and the dead cap, do you see any scenario where Jair Alexander might get traded? No, no, I don't. <clears throat> and I don't know. I, I think everybody needs to pump the brakes with all the Jair. I don't know if there's still a lot of Jair hate. I mean, myself, it was kind of a roller coaster ride with him this year, but I. Yeah, when you look at it on paper, I just don't think it, it makes any sort of mathematical sense, unless yeah. he, like the team's willing to really do something crazy. <clears throat> but I don't, I don't see that. I, yeah. I don't know. We got breaking news from Doug here. Uh oh, what is it? What we got? Jair Alexander has named himself Packers' new defensive coordinator. "Quote: It's only suiting. I guess coach didn't know I can call coin tosses and I can call plays too." There you go. <laughs> hey, you can save some money. You don't have to hire a DC now. So, uh, <laughs> love it. So, um, with that being said, with Jair seven point four six, I think he comes back. You know, and here's the thing too: he had a bad year. There's no two ways about that, right? He had a down year. He's still your highest graded corner on the team. So let's not kid ourselves into thinking he's a horrible football player. Like he's still a great football player. He's just he had a down year. He battled injuries. He also battled some stuff in the locker room. Seems like we're on the other side of that. So you got up to $7.4 million you can convert there. Uh, up next is Aaron Jones, the big topic last year where people were writing articles saying, we need to get rid of Aaron Jones. Now's the time. Uh, well, I think what, we don't make the playoffs if Aaron Jones ain't on that roster. That dude got so hot at the end of the year, it's not even funny. Uh, his cap hit coming up is $17.5 million. His dead cap is 12.3. If you cut him outright, you could free up 5.2. Okay, so you could free up 5.2 if you just cut him outright. Um, now his base salary, 11.1, his roster bonus, 258. What does that tell you? I don't think, I think he's going to do another renegotiation. Okay. Um, a pay cut, you know, he took a pay cut last year, but like they said, they still wrote him a check, a guaranteed check. And like Aaron Jones said, I love green Bay. I still made more money this year than I ever have in my entire career. I think Aaron Jones is going to be back. I would be very, very surprised if they cut him outright. OK, so they're going to go to him and look for a pay cut. What would that pay cut look like? He's got eleven point one right in base salary. 
the I think the goal is to get that cap hit down to somewhere at least 12 million, probably closer to 10 million. They would go to him with that kind of structure, and I think he'd be willing to do it. So if you took him down to 12 million, let's just throw that number around here, right? And you're talking about cutting, you know, cutting a five point, let's say five and a half million off of his cap hit. Where do you get that five and a half million? Now you could kick it on down the road or you could split the difference. You could go to him and go, hey, look, here's what we want to do. We want to write you, we want to convert, we want to convert 11 point of that 11.1 million base salary. We want to cut, you know, convert 5 million of it to signing bonus. So are you willing to take a $3 million pay cut? Okay. So if they convert, you know, if he took a $3 million pay cut or let's say a $5 million pay cut to get him down to 12 million, right? You could, you could uh, alter that and we could convert 3 million of that to signing bonus. You can get that number way down. He's getting a, you know, a $3 million, uh, you know, check in his pocket, right? Right now, signing bonus. And you convert that base salary down to, uh, or you t- he takes a pay cut and you free up that money. The only other option for him is, hey, you can be cut outright. We know what the running back market is, right? If he tries to, if he tries to just take the outright cut, and you know they let him go, yeah, we would free up that money we talked about that five point two million, and then he hits the market and he only gets a three million dollar offer. He would have been better off staying in Green Bay, similar to David Bakhtiari. The only thing different with Aaron Jones, he absolutely loves Green Bay. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I think he's going to take a pay cut. So you're probably going to be looking at shaving somewhere between three to five million. We'll say five million off of the cap just with Aaron Jones. I expect him to get his cap hit somewhere down to around twelve million, maybe even less. Um, do you guys agree with that, or do you think we should just cut him outright? <laughs> There's no way I'm going to agree to cutting Aaron Jones. So, yeah, I'm with it. Let's do it. <laughs> like a room leader. What about you, Jacob? Do you, do you see it any different there, man? No, I mean, if anything, I extend Aaron Jones for five years. <laughs> <laughs> I want him out there in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So that's how that sits. Preston Smith, base salary. We're going we're gonna to rattle through these last ones really quick here so we can give you kind of the total numbers. I'll tally them up. Um, base salary, $5.7 million, Roster bonus, $6.2 million, okay? Um, if you were to cut him outright, you would only free up $2.5 million. I think Preston Smith is that valuable that you need him on the roster. Now, if you were to convert it, it the realistic number, $11.9 million, you cut it in half, the realistic number would be $5.9 million you could free up in restructure and uh, spread that out with the duration of the contract. He's got years in place, too. I want to say he's on under contract for three years, I believe, maybe two years. So you could spread that out over that. You could tack on avoidable year to where you would never even notice it if you did need the cap room. Rashawn Gary, um, his number, right, his cap hit next year. This is what blows me away. 2024, his cap hit is $15.9 million, game. And there were people going, oh, he's not living up to that contract. He's slacked off. $15.9 million. For a guy who was, if I remember correctly, he was 13th in pressure percentage going into the last couple weeks of the season. Look at what he did on Thanksgiving Day that really helped turn the season around. Him and Jordan Love carried that team on Thanksgiving Day. Absolutely. Stop playing with him. 15.9 million is his cap hit. His base salary, 1.3. His roster bonus, 7 million. So you take that number, you tally it up, you cut it in half, you'd have about 4.1 million that you could spread out. These are just little chunk plays that you could take. He's not in the top five of guys that of number of money that you could free up, but it's definitely a possibility. All right. Up next, you got Elton Jenkins. His cap hit is 14.4. Oh, by the way, the people saying trade him, trade Rashawn Gary earlier this year. I want to point this out. 15.9 is his cap hit. 27.7 is the dead cap. So basically to get him off the roster, you're looking at somewhere around 11.8 million that you would still pay him this year. 
just to get rid of him. I can't believe people actually would even suggest trading Rashad Gary. It's because they were all in their feels, Tim. They were all in their emotions that he's not getting sacks. Oh, my God. We definitely got to give him this then. The the thing, too, like he was so – you could tell that they adjusted their pass rush to stop the run. The same people that were screaming to get rid of them were the same people screaming, uh, you know, what is let's fire everybody, cut everybody because this run defense sucks. You can't have it both ways. You can't just pin your ears back, rush the quarterback, and stop the run at the same time. Let me give you an example. San Francisco last week, you know, they're trying to get after Jordan Love. What did we do? We cut them apart on the ground, didn't we? Those those toss-crack plays, pin-and-pull plays, you know why they were so effective? Because they're pinning their ears back and going after the quarterback. You've seen us kind of take a step back and change the way we rush the quarterback off the edges. You didn't get no more Danny DeVito. I always love to call him Danny DeVito. You didn't get no more <laughs> Danny DeVito performances, did you? Them scrambling all over you. You know why? Because they stopped rushing upfield outside. Joe Barry made the adjustment. Hey, guys, let's change our rush angle. When you've seen Rashawn Gary in the locker room videos after the wins, he wasn't going crazy with excitement, was he? Because he's the type of guy that wants to perform for his team, and he was somewhat handcuffed because they knew this is what's best for the team. He didn't complain one freaking time either. So, and I love seeing that video of him choke slamming that uh, that that right tackle for San Francisco. I tweeted it out. It, it's like people were saying he's still he's not having any effect on the game. That sack was was large part the fact that you could tell he put his hand, he put his his stiff arm underneath the breastplate of that that uh, tackle, drove him right back in the pocket and kept his eyes on Purdy the entire time. Brock Purdy tries to escape out of the rush lane, and lo and behold, there's Rashawn Gary choke slamming his right tackle on the ground to where Purdy couldn't get out. It led to Kenny Clark and Preston Smith getting a sack. That's what I've always loved about Rashawn's game because he's so athletic and he has so much talent and technique. But then there's those plays where it's like, oh, you know, the swat and swim didn't work or or my move didn't work. So I'm just going to take this lineman with me right to the quarterback and go go right through him, and I love it. Yeah. I think he's again. Here's the thing, too. Forget my opinion. Forget Tim's opinion. Forget Jacob's opinion for a second. He graded out according to PFF as our best defensive player. If you go to the pressure percentage, he was 13th in the league, right amongst edge defenders. You divide that by two, that makes him a top 10 left outside linebacker in this or left edge defender, if you want to call him that. I don't want to get into that conversation again. Matt LaFleur smacked everybody around with his comments, and I absolutely loved it. But anyway, he's a top 10 edge defender at 15.9 million against the cap in 2024. What is the freaking problem? Stop playing with him. Stop playing with him. What do you think, bro? How do you feel about uh about Rashawn Gary there? You want to cut him or trade him and and uh, eat 11.8 in dead cap this year? <laughs> no, that's the, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, You're loving his name too, ain't you, by the way? What's that? You love the, you love the name Gary anyway, right? Of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean I just think that's ridiculous. There, I mean we could get we're, we're going to talk about it. I'm assuming, but if there is one that I would consider maybe doing any kind of cutting outright or trade, it definitely I think maybe be Campbell. But we'll, we'll cross mm-hmm. that bridge. Yeah, we're, we're almost there. Let me let me get Elton Jenkins real quick. Three and a half million base salary, five point six million in roster bonus. His cap hit is fourteen point four. His day cap is fourteen point four. There's no reason to even talk about it. We're not getting rid of Elton. If anything, you're looking to convert some of that three point five or that five point six to signing bonus and be able to maneuver that cap around. If you did that, 
the the total number is 9.1. You divide that by two, that's 4.5 million you have to really play with there for Elton Jenkins to free up in cap space. Okay. Now let's move on to Devondre Campbell, the one you're talking about. This is the one that gets kind of tricky. And I, I can understand why someone would want to cut him. I can understand why someone would want to trade him, although I don't think the trade market would be there. But I also sit back and look at it and go, I think we could use him on the roster. Even if we draft a linebacker and he's our third best linebacker, that is great depth at the linebacker position. We see it every single year, the linebacker room, man, they get banged up. There's injuries involved, right? Imagine Devondre Campbell coming off the bench as your third best linebacker, right? And if somehow, some way we do shift to a 43 with a new defensive coordinator higher, then imagine Devondre Campbell being your will backer, right, in that defense. So I, it, I'm not ready to part ways with him completely, but I understand these are this is the one that people talk about, and I go, I can understand how you feel like that. I don't understand the Rashawn Gary slander, right? no way, shape, or form. I don't even understand the Preston Smith uh, avenue simply because, you know, he was – he was. I think he graded out as in the top five of our best defensive players this year too. So um, – but with Devondre Campbell, the 6.9, the 3.2 that you can convert, that number comes to 10.1. And uh, if you were to uh, to take half – if I remember correctly, let me make sure I got that number right. Yeah, 10.1. If you took half of that, it would be $5 million that you could free up. So what I think you do with – Devondre Campbell is you go to him and go, man, it was a rough year. I got it. We underperformed. You played hurt. Do you want to be here? Yes or no? Yes, I want to be here. All right. We're going to have to talk about a pay cut, you know, and and what does that pay cut look like? If he takes a $5 million pay cut on the base salary, right, what does that do? You, you, you literally, you restructure, you cut that off the salary cap, you free up $5 million, which is that number that you could convert total. If he's not willing to do that, heck, it might be three million. It might be two million. Some kind of pay cut has got to be included here, in my opinion, to justify bringing him back. But if they decide to move forward with him, I don't think it's the end of the world either. You know, because next year those savings are going to be even higher. If you cut him outright, though, you're freeing up roughly two point five million. How would you handle that situation, Jacob? This is the one you had your eyes on. If you're Brian Gibbs, right, and you know Devondre Campbell wants to make as much money as possible too. How would you handle that negotiation? Would you go in and try to get a pay cut? Would you just cut him outright? How would you handle it? Uh, so what I would do, and again, this is kind of me putting on my GM hat and my quote-unquote best-case scenario. We In a different episode, we looked at some of the different prospects that are at linebacker. Bobby right. Wagner, if you guys remember, was somewhere around, I believe, the what's in it, three to $4 million a four year. Million. $4 million, yep. $4 million, so $4 million to me cutting Devondre, getting 2.5 of that 4 million, taking maybe two swings at guys in the draft. We got McDuffie, we got Quay, we got whoever else, maybe if we re-sign Wilson. I think to me that's more intriguing than trying to extend him or you know restructure, especially mm-hmm. with his age and the way that his play seemingly has kind of decreased yeah. lately. That's what I would do. So if you're going to cut him out right, right, similar conversation in my opinion. You, your, your goal to cut him out right is just to free up $2.5 million, right? The way I would handle it, and if I'm understanding you correctly, Jacob, you think, hey, I would rather put another body in there than him take up a roster spot. Am I understanding you correctly? Correct. Okay. See, I would look at it a little bit different. I would go to him and be like, okay, this is the difference between me and Jacob. I absolutely love it because we agree on 99% of the crap we talk about, and it's boring podcasts, but we're not going to be the podcast that tries to drive conversation with arguments and disagreements, right? This isn't ESP. Ooh, I shouldn't say it. This isn't the four-letter network, all right? So – what I would do 
from my standpoint, is I would go to Devondre and go, hey, look, man, we need a big cap up. You got your, your, your roster bonus coming up, right, $3.2 million. We'll leave that intact to guarantee that you are going to be on the roster. But we're going to need $4 million freed up here, man. Um, are you willing to take a $4 million cap in? I'd, I'd approach it like a little bit. Hey, man, we appreciate everything you've done. You're worth every dime with our current cap situation. We want you to be able to compete for the inside linebacker spot. Do you want to be here? Well, yeah, I want to be here. Or it's, no, I want out. He could say that, and that's totally cool, right? Go try to find a trade partner then, you know? We'll, we'll try to trade you to a team of your choice. And if you can't find that trade, that also might put him in check to where he goes, okay, you know what? Maybe I'm I'm not as worth as much as I thought I was. So I would go to him and say, look, we want, we need we need $4 million shaved off this cap hit. So are you willing to take a $4 million base salary pay cut? We'll leave the roster bonus in place because – you know, that'll show you that, hey, look, you're, you're most likely going to be on the roster. Now, they could also convert that, too, and just turn it into signing bonus. That would ensure we're going to guarantee that roster bonus, Dre. We're not going to cut you and you lose out on that 3.2. We're going to guarantee that money, okay? Let's convert that to a signing bonus, but you have to take a you know $5 million, $4 million pay cut, whatever it may be. So that's how I would approach it. You could maximize the amount you freed up. You'd have a veteran presence coming off the bench if you replace him. And look, if if Bobby Wagner gets a lot of calls, someone like that in free agency that you got your eyes on, and that number that we have projected at $4 million somehow some way jumps up to $7 million, then you still got Devondre Campbell on the roster for a much lesser cap hit, and your floor is still set there in the room. That's how I would approach it. Tim, what do you think about that, man? This seems to be the, the big one this offseason that – Goody's really got a decision to make on. Yeah, I'm leaning towards your approach with Dre. um, And I got to be careful again with my words, but I feel like we we owe it to him. I'd like to see him have a chance to come back healthy um, and and into a supporting role. You know, we we understand that he he, uh, was banged up all season. Now, if you can lighten the load on that veteran player and still get him, you know, several hundred snaps, um, but not uh, in a you know, bona fide starting role. I'd like to, I'd like to see Dre stay in green Bay. Now that's just my, you know, personal opinion. I understand Jacob's position. 100% Jacob is putting the, uh, the GM hat on uh, and, you know, taking emotions out of it, regardless of our feelings about a player, we got to look at the numbers. We got to look at the production. We got to look at the trajectory of our team going forward. So, you know, I completely understand both sides of this at all, but I, me personally, I just I don't want to see a scenario where we're just like, bye, Dre. See you later. Thank, thanks right. for your service. Here's the here's the old uh, the old red tag in the locker, major league style. I don't I don't see that happening. I like your approach. Um, I don't want to say handling it with kid gloves, but, you know, giving him an opportunity to really look at this. I like what you said about the the, the trade market. Like, oh, OK, well, you know. If you wanna if you wanna stay with this contract, we can we can explore a trade and then maybe there's not a huge trade market for him. Then you come back and it's like, hey Dre, well, what if we uh did a restructure here and stretch some of this money out? You willing to stay and and play under you know a little less money in a supporting role? So I'd like to see Devondre stay in Green Bay. That's just me. Um maybe letting my personal feelings get in the way here. Um but either way, we do. We need we need veteran presence peppered in really on both sides of the ball here. And we're a young team, but you you got to have some old dogs out there uh, peppered in your offense and your defense, you know. So, yeah, hopefully definitely. it's Dre Campbell, like you said, or, or uh, you know, yeah, maybe we make a play at Bobby Wagner. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah it's a fascinating conversation. Um, so 
when we kind of look at how that all played out, um, if you take that half number that we talked about, right, of all the clearable cap totals divided in, in half, what you essentially have in there, I think it might be over the cap that's got a figure that's called maximum restructure. Um, I thought it was actually on here, but I'm not seeing it anywhere. Let's go around the horn as I try to find that number because I want to see how it compares to ours. But what we came up with is $50.9 million in salary cap that we could free up reasonably. I would think that was on the minimum side as far as restructure uh, possibility. 50.9 is what we could free up with those moves we talk about, restructuring contracts of players that we feel like should be on the roster this year. But uh, let's go around the horn one last time here, Jacob. I'll go with you. Anything else you want to hit on? Maybe a note you took, something that, hey, I'd I really like to hit on this. I'm going to see if I could find that metric real quick. Yeah, I mean, just to, to kind of put a nail into the last conversation there, um, I the only reason why I think that my scenario is more realistic, quote unquote, is just mm-hmm. the fact that your scenario hinges a lot on Devondre Campbell being like, yeah, I'll take a pay cut. That's cool. I didn't play that well. And kind of being very – agreeable and humble and i guess i just don't see dre's um and i don't want to say ego like it's a negative thing or maybe his personality because he seems like a very proud guy who works hard who expects mm-hmm. to get paid what he's an is. alpha there's no doubt about he's it. an alpha yeah and he doesn't want to like he doesn't i don't know i feel like that he will that he would then test that market and and possibly that would be the reason as to why he would maybe accept and be like yeah you know what i'm probably not going to get that big contract i was hoping for so maybe i will need to settle in here and like you talked about, anywhere that has a, a tax bracket where it's like you're taking 15, 50% of your, your money, I mean, that's going to definitely sway people's opinions. I know that. Yeah, definitely. Tim, what about you, man? Anything else you want to hit on there? Nah, I'm way too emotional about these players. So. <laughs> right. I understand. I, I, I get it, man. I yeah. get it. I can't find that number. I was looking at over the cap in a couple other spots. I don't think it, so. It's okay. We're uh, we're already to the uh, – pretty much to the end of the show. But uh, essentially what I like to do is compare it. They have a thing. I, I seen the metric. It might've been on Spotrack. It might've been over the cap. They, it's called maximum restructure, minimum restructure. Okay. Basically saying, it, you know, here's kind of the, the safest bet. If you want to restructure contracts, you've got plenty of room here. I think that number would be close to 50 million and the maximum would probably be closer to 70 million. I'm not suggesting we do that. I want to keep the cap somewhat clean. Right. And I'm usually the guy that's making fun of the people that are like, we need to clean this cap space up. You know, it's like, why do you want to walk around every year with 20 million in free cap and get knocked out of the play, the first round of the playoffs? That makes no sense to me. Right. Uh, I'm kind of in between. How about we walk around with 10 million in cap and let's compete <laughs> rather than do like the uh, the Saints and go into every year, 80 million over the cap. But it just shows you we got plenty of room. Now, r- why did I bring this up? It's because these restructures are going to take place pretty soon. There's going to be some restructures. Will there be t- will there be five? I don't know. There might just be three. There might just be one or two. That'll tell you really how Goody feels about this roster. But I did have a graphic that we used before, if I can find it. There was actually a restructure date, and I don't see it now. It was Aaron Jones's restructure that kind of gave you an idea of when these restructures may take place. Here you go. It may be embedded in here. Um, let's see, March. So you can see it was March 15th last year that we re-signed Keyshawn Nixon. So you're probably not going to see us re-sign any of these quote-unquote free agents until right around mid-March. But the restructure did take place. If I try to pull that up real quick, um, you guys don't let me die here on the air with dead air, but I want to see Aaron Jones 
uh, restructure. There we go. I want to see what date that was because that's going to give us a good idea. February 17th. Wow. Aaron Jones agrees. Aaron Jones agrees to restructure contract with pay cut to stay with the Packers for 2023. The Packers will free up around 11.8 million in salary cap space with the move while Jones gets to stay in Green Bay, but will have his total compensation for 2023 reduced by $5 million. That happened on February the 17th. So you need to bookmark that date. Okay. Bookmark that date of February 17th. That's when it happened last year. So that's probably about the time that you will see a decision made on David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones. You might see Kenny Clark restructured. Those are the these are the top five. Last year we came up with it. All our top five lists all got their deals restructured last year. Okay. Our top five this year is David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, Jair Alexander, Aaron Jones, okay, and uh, Preston Smith. Those are the ones that I would be really surprised if at least three of those five don't get restructured by February, mid-February. It could be February 15th, might be February 17th, might be a week earlier. I, I imagine they'll stay on the same timeline, though. They're trying to gather information on free agents. They're trying to weigh out their options. Hey, we could go after this guy. You know, we could cut this guy outright, those decisions. I wouldn't be surprised, too, if they pop up and do cut someone. You know, I don't think it will happen with Jonesy. But if they were to cut Aaron Jones, I wouldn't be like, whoa, I can't believe they did that. It's the NFL, man. As soon as you think you got this thing figured out, something else happens. You know, happens every year. Now, that as far as cool. – go ahead, Jake. No, like talking to Tim Tarr, that, that would emotionally break me. If we oh, I'm telling you, bro, it would kill that me. Would, that, would, that would be worse, I think, than the loss as far as just yeah. like a personal knife to the heart for me. But Definitely. I, I don't want to put that in the atmosphere. I don't want to do that. So we put that out there, right, about <laughs> the, the restructure date. And it's basically going to happen right after the Super Bowl, essentially. So when you look at the NFL calendar coming up, this is just a brief grab of it. Okay, February fourth will be your Pro Bowl game. Okay, the Super Bowl is play, paid February or played February the eleventh. All right, February twentieth, beginning this date through four p.m. All right, New York time on March fifth. Clubs may designate franchise or transition players. Okay, so your franchise tags will go out then. I don't think we're going to have any franchise tags. I think we all agree. You may have with, with transition players. I think that's when you got to put the restricted free agents tags on them. I'm not sure. We need to get that date. I'll tell you what. Let me get that while we're thinking about it. That would be a good time to do it. Let me go Yash Nyman. Yash Nyman. That way we can write that date down too so we don't have to look it up later. Um, what was he tendered? Uh, it was second round, right? Second round tender, I think he, they put on him. Give me just a second, guys. Bear with me here. I definitely want to get this state while we're here. All right, Yash Nyman signed the second-round contract tender the Packers placed on him a month ago. According to the NFL's transaction wire, the tender will pay Yash Nyman $4.3 million in 2023. They said a month ago. So April 17th was when that was written, so it would have been around mid-March. What did this date show us again? Um, so, yeah, right. Okay. So there you go. March 11th through 13th during the above two day negotiating period, a pro, uh, prospective undrafted or unrestricted free agent who is not represented by an NFL PA certified contract advisor, blah, 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 is permitted to communicate directly with a new club's front office. So you're going to see that happen somewhere around uh, mid March. It looks like March 5th prior to 4 p.m. New York time. Um, the uh, for clubs to designate franchise or transition players. So the earliest. They can do it as February 20th. It's got to be in by March the 5th. 
So uh, March 5th would be a good deadline there for as far as if you're going to tender players that are unrestricted. Now, you guys may or may not have heard we were a little bit worried about Bo Melton. Is he restricted? Is he not restricted? He is already under contract. Bo Melton will be returning for like $900,000. Bro, I'm telling you, he, he's – you're talking about a guy who's playing for his career too. You thought he was good this year. Next year, you're going to get the best version of Bo Melton. He's playing for a new contract. If he comes out and does what he did, he graded out as our highest-graded receiver, I believe, according to PFF, which is just absolutely wild to me, man. Um, Love Bo. Yeah, Bo's the man, dude. We hear a lot about his speed and his hands, but I'll tell you, that that kid can run a route, too. Just top-tier route runner, man. Real excited about him. Definitely. So we gave you guys the cap situation. Now you've got dates attached to it, okay? Uh, you know, the franchise tag, that's the thing about, too, the, the franchise tag, you're going to start to hear rumors about some players that are going to be free agents that are going to get locked up with franchise tags, too. Another thing, too, to keep in mind, guys, um, if these cuts take place, right, when are they going to take place? You've got to kind of take that into consideration, too. When are they going to cut these guys out, right? Try to figure out those dates. When will the cut take place? And there's going to be other clubs. We're going through this. You've seen all the potential cuts. Like Bakhtiari is a legit – he's a potential cut, Right. If they cut him, that means other clubs are cutting players too. So that free agent list is going to shift. So everything we did as far as the market assessment the other day in free agency, we're going to re, we're going to look at that. We're going to revisit that after those cuts take place. But again, that date you're going to start to get some some rumors and some ideas right around February twentieth. So there you go. Anything else you guys want to add? No, sir. Uh, right. We did, we were on the Bo Melton subject. Give him a follow on Twitter. I'm sorry, I still call it Twitter. Uh, get busy, Bo has joined uh, has joined Packers Twitter. So give yeah, him a follow. At, yeah, at get busy underscore Bo. Um, yeah, that's that's a good follow too. And he seems like man, he's got a, he's just a good hearted dude. I Drew enjoyed Beal. that. I enjoyed that forty five seconds the other day when I had more followers than he did, and then he just blew <laughs> me out of the water in like you know under a minute. <laughs> exactly. Drew D coming in, man. He's the MVP of the day. He said that he looked it up, and the maximum restructure number is $85 million. You guys said I said probably about 70 I am very, very conservative when it comes to numbers. I'm that dude that's like, I am going to over budget yep. and go, damn, we got we got extra money, guys. Um, I'm always going to play that role rather than the guy that's like, if we drain every single thing out of this, we can come up with another three hundred grand. You know, It's not going to do it. So appreciate that, though, Drew. Thank you for looking that up, buddy. Where did you get it from, Drew? Just throw it in the chat real quick. I can't remember if it's over the cap, a Spotrack, or both, and what tabs it under. I'd appreciate that, and I'll uh, I'll check it offline. But, yeah, appreciate you guys and gals. This was a lot of fun. Hopefully it wasn't too confusing. The goal is for all of us to get a better understanding of the cap. And uh, really, like I said, just a couple years of studying it, the two numbers you want to focus on are base salary and roster bonus, converting that to signing bonus, spreading it out over the duration of the contract. That's how you play cash over cap. You're choosing – Cash over cap. Cash is the money the check wrote to the player. Cap is the allocation of that money. Okay. It's the accounting of that money, if you will. So that's how it works. Um, All right. So Drew D says over the cap, it's contracts, restructure potential. Appreciate it, buddy. I'll write that down here and make sure that we have a note of that restructure potential. All right. We're out of here, gang. Appreciate y'all. We'll see you tonight for PTA Live. Uh, Jacob, Tim, thank you guys so much for hanging out with me, man. This was a lot of fun. Uh, crunched a lot of numbers, but hopefully we got a little bit better understanding of what to expect with the salary cap as we move into this new calendar year. And uh, obviously, we got playoff football today. Going to be a lot of fun to see those teams play. Watch those defenses, man. Watch those defenses. Watch specifically Baltimore's defense, San Francisco's defense, and Kansas City's defense. 
Those are the top three scoring defenses in the league right now. Okay. And again, all three of them are right there at the top of the list in pass defense. And you can tell by the metrics, the numbers, they are putting the run defense on the back burner. That is the, that's, that's the, all the rage in the NFL right now for the really good defenses. It's, Hey, look, we're willing to sacrifice the run to stop these explosives in the passing game. It's the reason we play a 34 jam. It's probably why uh, the rumors are swirling, you know, that, that Matt LaFleur is going to go with Christian Parker and stay in a 34. When you play a 34 jam, I know people don't like to see it, but you're putting those three in, those three defensive linemen, those big hog mollies in the middle, you're putting them pretty close to the center and you're forcing isolation blocks on the edge. Listen to um, what's his name down there in uh, Miami. I always forget his name, the head coach. Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel. Watch what he had to say. And if you listen to the play caller podcast back, he says it. You have a green Bay, man, you look out there and he, and he used some explicit language. You see, you, you see those wide blanking edges and it's like, we can't run outside zone here. You're running right into the teeth of their defense. So you're forcing guys to run in the middle. That's why LaFleur went with the Fangio-style defense. Stopping explosive plays on offense, the number one way to stop explosive plays is to, to play shell defense, and the number one way to stop explosive plays against a run is to play wide nine and take away the outside zone. That's why you're a little susceptible to the run up the middle, and that's why they're able to take plays underneath nickel and diamond you down the field. You're forcing them – to do it consistently, hoping they make a mistake. The problem was we dropped eight interceptions, nine if you include the one in the playoff there, the last loss there uh, as far as uh, Darnell Savage has dropped interceptions. So hopefully that makes sense. We're out of here. Appreciate you guys. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go.